The snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> oh shit. Hey. He killed the cop! Oh shit, get out of the car, man! Oh man, this is the cop car! This is the Hello! You boys like Mexico! Yeah! Welcome back to episode four of Two Cops and a Donut. I'm your host, Dirk Mason, and with me always is Teddy Maxwell. On today's episode, we'll be devouring some more donuts, and in personnel files, we'll have Airborne School with Teddy in my first department. In Pop Culture Corner, we have Super Troopers, and we'll finish off with the episode or the call of the week. Stick with me on Two Cops and a Donut. And now, the Donut of the Week. Mmm, donuts. So, Teddy, before we start, I just wanted to say that we have our first official sponsor. No way, really? Who? Yeah, Bones Coffee. Um, out of Cape Coral, Florida, they're a family-owned company. They were originally from Portland. They uh, were developed over two years ago, and they're rapidly growing. Can you believe that? Uh, they take pride in the sending the freshest coffee right to your door, and that's why they're an online-only company. So if you want a bag, go to www.bonescoffee.com. One of the things I really love about Bones Coffee is the just assortment of flavors they have. And I'm only going to read a few off, some of my favorite and some of uh, Dirk's favorites. So just real quick, what I'm actually drinking right now is S'morey Time, which is their s'mores coffee. What are you drinking, Dirk? I got the same. It's delicious. Yeah, it's their s'mores coffee. Uh, they have Jack Lantern, which is pumpkin spice. They have Paradise Pie, which is key lime pie flavor. Have you ever seen that in a coffee? I have not. No. And I've tried it, and it's amazing. Really good. Uh, strawberry cheesecake. I think that's self-explanatory. Salted caramel, not caramel. <laughs> Jamaican Me Crazy, which is a vanilla car- caramel coffee liqueur. I almost screwed that up. You see that? Uh, Bananas Foster, uh, chocolate raspberry, white Russian, and high voltage, which is probably going to be my favorite because it has like double the caffeine. It's for caffeine crazy people like myself. Yeah, maybe we'll try that soon. Uh, also, I just want to say... Uh, my top two right now are in between white Russian and chocolate raspberry. So far, I'm with the Jack Doe Lantern, man. You know me and my, my pumpkin spice. I love it. But the S'more Time's really good, too. And uh, the one good thing that... So their bags come in 16-ounce bags, the typical one-pound bags. But because they have so many like eclectic flavors, the cool thing is is that they have these sample bags that come in, what, four-ounce bags? Yeah, you can get... Uh, on their website, you can order... If you just want to try it, just go get five sample bags four ounces right so you can try like five different coffees and kind of choose which one you like so yep that's awesome and thank you bones company for uh, believing in us and uh your product is amazing really good (laughs) yeah thank you now on to the donut of the week dirk where did these donuts come from so dirk got the donuts this week yeah uh couldn't (laughs) we got them from tasty donuts it's a, a local mom and pop shop and as you can hear the bag or the box in the back pretty hefty uh they were developed in 1929 so been around for a hot minute yeah uh they're located at 6441 east 72nd place in commerce city colorado and i went in there this morning and 
It's funny because Lisa and I have been there before, and there's this little Asian lady that is in there, and she runs the shop, and she's, like, the sweetest thing. Like, I don't know what she's doing with the donuts in there, but Teddy, uh, I'm going to have to step on the toes here of Krispy Kreme and say that they're they're number one now on mm-hmm. my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I respectfully disagree. He showed me the box. I was just not for this idea. <laughs> Let me start by saying that. I was not happy. And we were going to such a small place. But I will say, when I bit into that apple fritter, and that's my donut of the week, when I bit into that apple fritter, uh, it definitely changed my mind. And I got the, I just got a cake donut that has, um, you know, the little ones you can buy at 7-Eleven, the crumb donuts? Yeah. So she makes the larger ones. And it's just a cake donut with, I think it's dipped in glaze and then cinnamon and sugar with like some crumbs. And that's my favorite from there. I had that one too, and it was really, really good. It's a more of a cake donut, not yeast risen. Yeah, uh, excellent donut. The apple fritter, though, I, he uh, Dirk mentioned last week that Lamar's apple fritters were not that good because Weak. <laughs> I thought they had good apple flavor, good cinnamon, good sugar content. But uh, Dirk's main concern was what? Not enough apple. Not enough <laughs> apple. That's the exact opposite with this place. Uh, Tasty Donuts, their apple fritters have a ton of apple in them, and it was so good. I, I got to admit, it doesn't change my thought on like the ranking of Tasty Donuts, but their apple fritter was, was probably the best one I've ever had. I've never really had fritters before this, but... Well, now you know that or why I was complaining about it, so... Yeah, they had an adequate supply of sugar, apple, cinnamon, everything, and it was very dense. It was really good, and the glaze on it was very thick and really good if anyone has a question on if there's too much glaze doesn't <laughs> exist you can put is just load that thing up let it dry do it again keep dipping it you can't have too much glaze yeah and as far as the crumb donut goes that's my donut this week uh, it's very simple the cinnamon and sugar flavor i, I don't know that you saw it it fell all over <laughs> fell all over your lap so you have to be careful but um I'm not a usually a cake flavor or a cake donut person, but it that's my favorite from Tasty's. Half of that crumb donut fell onto my lap when I took a bite. It just fell to pieces. It was really good. It will disintegrate in your mouth too. Yeah. So good choice on that. I was I'm like I said really skeptical of like these mom and pop places that are here in these little towns. This one was definitely, you know, superseded my expectations though. So Teddy, uh, can you rank, give us a ranking from last week to and the previous weeks to now for your donuts? Sure. So week one, we had Dunkin' Donuts. Week two, we had Krispy Kreme. Week three, we had Lamar's Donuts. And week four, we have Tasty Donuts. So my ranking, I know Dirk's going to disagree with this. My ranking is number one, Krispy Kreme. I'm going to go with a tie for number two. I'm going to say Lamar's and Tasty are tied for number two. That okay. apple fritter put them over the top. <laughs> and then Dunkin' Donuts at number three. How about you? Uh, first Tasty Donuts, then Krispy Kremes, then Lamar's, and then Dunkin's. So that's my ranking. Sorry, I know you're disappointed. But Again, I disagree, but... Krispy Kremes got number two. All right. <laughs> so those are the donuts of the week. Hey, Dirk, what do we got next? Personnel files, and we're going to do some Airborne. Yes, we'll take you through Teddy Maxwell's Airborne School, and then we're going to talk about Dirk and his first agency. Yeah, let's uh, let's get let's, let's get into it. All 
right, Teddy. So start us off with your, what is it, your first day, your first week going to airborne school. Where did we leave off? We left off with me finishing basic training in infantry school at Fort Benning, Georgia. We had a long break, a Christmas break and New Year's break. We were gone for like three weeks. <clears throat> we returned to Fort Benning and lo and behold, we were back with our initial cadre from basic training and infantry training. And their whole point is to make your life a living hell during that time. So it was no different when we returned to them. We were there for like three or four days. Um, the first thing we did when we got back was to take a PT test oh, and God. to take a urine analysis. I mean, we do a PT test after like three weeks. Everyone's fat and happy. Like no one worked out or did anything, you know. And we take the urine analysis. And my friend, for the sake of this podcast, we're going to call him Kill Sauce because... Yeah, he's a father now, and he would wring my neck if I used his real name. Uh, Killsauce <laughs> is overly intelligent. Uh, he scored a perfect score in his SATs twice. Wow. Yeah, they made him take it a second time because they thought he cheated the first time. Really? Yeah, and he threw it right in their face with another perfect score. <laughs> so they kind of preyed on his intelligence by the redundancy and the stupidity of the Army, and they're like, we're doing another urine analysis. So Killsauce decided he was going to fight back. So let me give you the directions on a urine analysis, Okay. <laughs> Remove the lid from the clear plastic cup. Urinate into the cup. Place red seal over the lip of the cup. Place the cup inside the cellophane bag. Close the bag. Pull red tab on the seal and secure the bag. So the bag's like, I don't know, 40 or 50 ounce clear plastic bag. Why is it so big? Because you have to fit like a urine cup in there. Okay. And you have to be able to like fold the, the top over and like seal it, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah. You know? um, so this thing's it's a pretty big bag. So... <laughs> Kill Sauce goes into the bathroom, the lavatory, and he comes walking out with a shit-eaten grin on his face. The bag is full of piss. It's an ocean of piss in the bag. And you see the cup and the lid floating on top of the urine inside the bag. I mean, he filled this thing almost to the brim and like got like the seal. The seal could barely fit over the top. And the, the thing that stood out to me the most was the color of his urine. It was like he hadn't had a sip of water for 48 hours and like prior to the uh test he just like ate a handful of multivitamins it was like the oddest color uh dirk and i just broke down laughing in the middle of that it got way out of hand so we had to pause recording for a moment but that oh, was man. the start of us returning to fort benning prior to airborne school and for those of you who don't know airborne school is located at fort benning it's approximately two miles from sand hill where they have all the jump towers Everything you've seen in movies like Band of Brothers, et cetera, et cetera. Airborne school is approximately three weeks long, and it's like old school. It's old school, like World War II, guys jumping out of planes, static line where you hook your line to like the inside of the plane to like a cable, and you jump out, and then the cable pulls the parachute for you. Okay. So I guess they feel like the Germans are still an issue and that we're going to have to invade Normandy or something. Uh, some of the things, they teach you how to correctly wear and secure your parachutes, they hammer exiting the door in proper body position upon your exit. They teach you to count because if your chute doesn't open within three to four seconds, you're pretty much fucked and you're going to have to pull your reserve chute. They teach you how to properly PLF. I just used air quotes air quotes because PLF stands for parachute landing fall, which mitigates injuries, but you're still going to get injured. They teach you how to jump with combat equipment. All the instructors there are called Sergeant Airborns, which is fucking stupid. And yeah. I just like it was painful for me to say. And primarily, they have you jumping from towers over and over and over again to practice, like exiting from an aircraft and like actual landings. And it's just 
redundant and it's really can you explain like how tall the towers are and like what's the how do you prepare to jump and then what's the landing what do you land on so one of them is like a zip line like you hook up to a zip line and you jump out of i think it's like a 40 foot tower okay and you jump out with the correct body position and the correct posture and then you like instead of landing on the ground the zip line takes you down like a hundred meters or something and then at the end you're supposed to keep like a stiff like correct body position the whole time okay and then they have the tower where they actually have a canopy um, attach your parachute and they it's completely inflated and they lift you up the tower and then they release you and then you actually land on the ground okay yeah airborne school it you know after that all all of that type of training it culminates in five jumps real jumps at the end um so we all conducted our jumps out of c-130s which is i guess look it up if you're curious as to what type of plane that is but <clears throat> over my career i jumped out of casa 212s uh-60s which are blackhawks CH-47s, which are Chinooks. You can kind of jump out almost almost most aircrafts. Helicopters, right? Helicopters, yeah. Uh, we do three daytime jumps, two night jumps. The last jump you do is like in combat gear. So you have all this like combat stuff, which weighs like a fucking metric ton. It's so heavy. <laughs> and then you spend all night shaking chutes, which is like you hook the top of the, the canopy to a crane. It lifts up and then you start like getting all the twigs and the grass and all that stuff out. And do you that's, pack your own chute? No, they have, they're called riggers. Riggers pack your chute. That's their actual job is to correctly pack chutes. I don't know how to do it. I never did it. Um, they do an excellent job. I've never seen, I've seen one malfunction my entire time out of all the jumps I did. It wasn't mine, thank God. I mean, I'm fucking deathly afraid of heights. I, I, I'm terrified to this day. I hated jumping. Every single jump, I jumped way more than that when I got into special forces hated every last fucking jump <laughs> and i you know recently watched hardcore henry have you seen that movie i saw bits so it's like the you know the first person like shooter game type yeah. uh, thing in the movie he jumps from buildings to buildings he's doing a lot of that and i almost fucking threw up like that stuff even just watching it on screen still freaks me the fuck out <laughs> <clears throat> yeah i don't think i would ever go skydiving i don't know i'm afraid of, i'm terrified of heights too i went parasailing <clears throat> one time but and what was that like it was actually fine, but like you said, the parachute's already inflated, and you it feels like you're going up on a zip line. So it's right. not like you're there's not no, falling. There's no falling. Right. It's all, <clears throat> it, you're just like you're floating. So Right. Uh, and, you know, coincidentally, because I'm afraid of heights for whatever reason, I was always the first at the door for <laughs> all of my jumps, which is, when I say first at the door, you stand in front of an open door on the plane with the jump master right behind you, and you're like looking out. <laughs> And, terrified uh, fucking terrified i hated it so and well, you just said something about skydiving and that's the big difference now is a lot of the jumps we do are it's called military free fall or halo to you video gamers out there and that is when you jump from high altitude and you do low opening so halo high altitude low opening okay and that's in difference to static line jumps which is anywhere between 1500 to 23 2500 feet something like that where you just jump out shoot opens you land on the ground but in halo or military free fall you have to pull the chute yourself you have to gauge your altitude it's definitely there's much more goes into it you pack your own chutes so halo is when you jump out you have the free fall then you pull the cord yourself and airborne is when you actually hook to the line when you jump out of the plane the parachute opens when you jump out exactly it's, okay one is basically you jump from a higher altitude you pull the line yourself the other one is you're at a lower altitude and it's called static line 
and basically the hook on the cable pulls it for you. Oh, okay. So that was three weeks long, and that was a, a small part of my military career. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is called, at the time it was called SOPC, uh, Special Operations Prep Course. Now it's called SFPC, Special Forces Prep Course, and that's at Fort Bragg. That's at Fort Bragg. Okay. So right after I left Benning, I went to Fort Bragg, and we'll discuss that at a later time. Next week, maybe? Next week. Yeah. And now we're going to go to Dirk's first police department. Dirk, we left off with you working Marine Patrol in Michigan. So what was your next step from there? So I, during Marine Patrol, right after college, 2012, I applied to at least over, man, I'd have to say it's over 18 departments total. Like which ones? If you don't mind me asking. Well, I can name up a couple of them. Um, Raleigh, North Carolina, Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, Michigan State Troopers, Colorado State Troopers. Uh, that was it. That's four. I, I I would have to go back to my old computer and list them all because there's so many. Troopa, Dirk Mason, huh? Yeah. Did you get hired by any of those ones? Um, I got to the end process to where I could have selected them, but I chose not to. Okay. Um, and the reason why is because of the first department that I applied to in New Mexico. Um, they had like an express hiring, and I'll talk about that a little bit to where uh, this department actually came to Michigan to the college uh, that where I was, I guess, hometown of, and they uh, they were like, hey, put in your application, your resume, and we'll get you started. They actually flew out there, uh, looked at my resume, got my application, approved it right then, and they're like, hey, come down to Detroit and do the physical and written like two days later. When you say they approved it, they had like recruiters out there. Was it... I, I, sorry, I'm imagining like a paper application you filled out. Yeah. What about like a criminal history and a polygraph and all that? So there's no polygraph, um, but I'm assuming the criminal background, from what I understand, they did that while we were doing our written exam the next day. And okay. the reason why is because while I was sitting taking the written, uh, there was a guy that got called out because he had a warrant for his arrest. Did they have, like, local law enforcement there to arrest them? Yeah, uh, Taylor. We took the uh, application process at Taylor uh, Police Department near Detroit, and they took them out and arrested them. So, Do you know what the warrant was for? Uh, I think it was just a simple maybe traffic or something like that. Nothing oh, okay. crazy. So um, after my application was, you know, temporar- temporarily approved, I went down to Taylor, Michigan, and they're like, here, here's your written test. You have 30 minutes took that waited they graded it checked me for warrants and stuff did their little background check and they're like okay you're good and <laughs> so their background check consists of like ah we'll see if this guy's got warrants <laughs> i think maybe they called like where i lived okay um that local agency maybe state patrol for michigan and then that's it like i don't know what else they could have done in you know 10 minutes and i'm not knocking the your first apartment but i mean were they just desperate for people i mean from where they're geographically located, it's far from Michigan. Right. Like, were they just hurting for officers at the time, or what? Uh, yeah, and we'll get into that, but they're, like, that's, like, a 100-man department, and I would say over half, when I started there, were from Michigan after that. Really? Yes. So they basically shored up their... You know, that's weird. I wonder why Michigan, of all places, you know what I mean? They're more densely populated areas. And like I told you before, how the academies are is that you go through the academy and then you hope you get hired by a department. 
Michigan was in that place to where in 2012, no department was really hiring. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they kind of had a freeze, like almost nationwide on local and federal law enforcement. Yeah, so it was <laughs> like uh, people had an education, they weren't doing drugs, and that's why they wanted them. Is because at the department that I was at, they had a hard time getting people to pass the drug test. Like their previous usage of drugs or like they were literally going take a urine analysis and they're like methamphetamine yeah exactly (laughs) yes and does that and no one could read they they told me that the main reason why they were disqualifying people is because of the reading section of the um application like they just couldn't read basic english couldn't read couldn't understand the problem solving questions and were they difficult no i mean well i passed so yeah yeah (laughs) i'm not the smartest guy here so gotcha um but no so we were in taylor michigan did the written passed the oh they're like here do your physical pass the physical it was a mile and a half run sit-ups push-ups and i can't even remember what else it wasn't it's not difficult okay so you weren't like cartman out there like yeah yeah so you had to pass you know you had to run your mile and a half in i don't know 16 minutes is that cooper fitness test probably i think it was yeah so after that they're like okay you know you're gonna get a call later and we'll find out if you can move on to the next background phase and do a interview and i was like okay is where was the interview (laughs) this is a funny thing i thought that i was going to be going down to this agency doing a formal interview with you know a panel of people sure because that's what i've done in the past uh, no, they called me two weeks later and was like, oh, we're going to set up a uh, interview. I'm like, awesome. They're like, uh, do you have Skype? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and they set up a Skype interview. It was like the week after that. Right. It's almost like a video teleconference or something with you. And do you know who was on the other end of the phone? I didn't know. Okay. So I it mean, was... it was just cops that I knew where, that were interviewing me. Right. So. I literally could sit in my boxer shorts with a shirt and tie on and, and do I'm the sure interview. And I'm sure you did that. <laughs> now, actually, with you, I would imagine you put on, like, a three-piece suit, and you're, like, <laughs> sitting upright, and you're like, well, yes, sir. Well, I, you know, you don't know what part they could see of you on the, sure. on the screen. But... So you just have a shirt, tie on, then boxer shorts? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's all they can see? Okay. Um, after that, what happened? So I did the interview over Skype. Um, right after I was done, they said that, I mean... I don't think it was that hard to pass, but they were just like, you know, you're going to move on to the next phase. And that's when they started the background. Okay. So, and they said, this is the longest part of the process. Uh, it could take anywhere from, you know, one month to seven months or whatever, because they're trying to get it done. They're trying to get people hired and move down to this agency because they're so shorthanded. Mm-hmm. Literally, I think I applied in, I want to say closer to, it was August mm-hmm. when I took the the written and the physical yeah after that i think it was january no excuse me it was december like first and like four months later four months later they're like hey come down for an interview so now they wanted to interview you in person yep chief's interview okay so i I sat with like the deputy chief a couple detectives couple officers whatever and i looked up a couple things did they pay for you to go down there and did you have to foot that bill on your own I flipped it myself. Ugh. Yeah. So I've never been to this place, never been to New Mexico in my entire life. And they were like, you know, come down for the interview, see how you like it. If you want to do a ride along, sure. Okay. So uh, I went down, did a ride along. 
rode with some ridiculous sergeant that I'm not going to say his name, which he's since retired, but I didn't know what I was getting into. You know, you watch Cops. How many how many episodes of Cops are from New Mexico? <laughs> I don't know. Tons. Uh, is they, there? Yeah, they had Albuquerque on there a billion times. Okay. At least I felt like it. I was like, oh, I'll never be a cop down there. Well, turns out, yeah. Here you go. Yeah. You're in New Mexico. So I did the interview right afterwards. They said, yep, you're good. You're hired. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I was expecting, you know, two weeks later, get an email. So this is December. And at what point were they like, okay, this is your date for the academy? So right after that, I think it was, you know, beginning of December when I went back home and they said you were good to go. Mm -hmm. Um, They gave me a higher date of January 20th. Okay. Which is like almost a little over a month to move down there and get settled and then start working. Sure. Yeah, so... They didn't give me a date for the academy. They said, you have one year to complete your academy from your date of hire. Okay, and this is something Dirk and I have gone over quite a bit extensively, and it's still to this day I don't understand it. So you pack up everything in Michigan. You move all the way down to New Mexico. We're not going to name the agency. You go all the way down to Mexico, and you start. Yep. Now, you were on the road as a patrol officer without going to the police academy. I was. (laughs) what is the deal with that can you explain that a little bit so it's crazy um i thought initially i would just start the police academy and it was not like that at all they said okay you're gonna do a month of in-house training where they train you arrest control uh a little bit of the law yeah some procedure maybe (laughs) yeah and firearms tactics stuff like that after that you go and do fto your field training field training before you go to the academy. Before I go to the academy. So, so you do your in-house training for a month, mm-hmm. and then you go right on the road with a field training officer. Yep. Okay. So first month, uh, like I said before, is just the obs- observation phase where I watched an officer basically work, mm-hmm. and he kind of ta- taught me how to do what he was doing. Sure. Second phase. So kind of monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Okay. Second phase, you're driving the car, you're doing you know a majority, I'd say 50% of the work third phase is they watch you you do all the work okay um what they call their shadow phase okay and then following this let's talk dates here so you started january 20th ish yeah where does that take you out till like march or april yeah about april so april rolls around you've already done your in-house training you've done the fto thing and now you start the academy no they said <laughs> they go uh you're you know pick a shift what shift do you want and at the time i was like i i mean what's available and they're like well you can't do days you can do swings or graves and i was like oh well definitely i want to do swings because mm-hmm. graves just sucks so i picked swings i started off on swing shift and i worked that until let's see i started the academy in july okay so april to july you were working by yourself as a police officer and you had never been to a police academy nope it's just shocking to me the amount of liability that's involved in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if something were to happen, they'd be like, well, what's his training record? They'd be like, eh, he doesn't really have any. <laughs> I know. And I, d- I couldn't believe it. Like, I was, you know, I'm, I've never been a, I was a, you know, the Marine Patrol, but that wasn't the extent of what I was, my duties were in New Mexico. So it was kind of scary, to be honest. So you've been basically employed there from uh, January to July as a full-fledged police officer, badge, gun belt, uniform, the whole shebang. Oh, yeah. And now in July, that rolls around, you're finally attending the police academy. Now, did that particular department have their own police academy? 
No, it was a regional academy through the state. So I went up to Santa Fe okay. and did the uh, state police academy up there. So. Okay, and that's is that where everyone in New Mexico does their police academy, or do, they, do any departments have their own? So I'm not sure what they have now, but at the time I think there was two police academies, and um, that was the one that was running. So they're like, hey, you're going to this one. Okay. So And it's a live-in academy where you go and live up there in – basically like what you call barracks or whatever sure yeah for six months and ours here was not like that it was monday through friday eight know, to five yeah yeah eight to five and you have weekends off and you're at home every night so yep. well thanks dirk that's pretty cool i think next week you want to dive into your actual training at the academy yeah <laughs> now that they finally decided to send you somewhere <laughs> to learn <laughs> what you're doing yeah because we had a lot of i actually had a lot of fun up there so i want to get into that more so dirk what do we have coming up next Super Troopers. We're doing our pop culture corner coming up next, and the main feature is Super Troopers, so stand by. Discriminating audiences at the Sundance Film Festival have discovered one of the most shocking, unflinching, eye-opening films about cops ever made. <laughs> Do we look like the two dumbest guys in the world to you? Go! Super Troopers. In this town, you don't mess with the law. You know how fast you're going? 65. 63. The law messes with you. Isn't the speed limit 65? Yeah, it is. I'm freaking out, man. Can I please see your license and registration? Perhaps some spunking and cuffing is not a... Ain't It Cool News says funny, funny, funny stuff all over this movie. Give me a double bacon cheeseburger. Double bacon cheeseburger, it's for a cop. What the hell's that all about? You gonna spin it now? No, I was just telling him that so he makes it good. Don't spit in that cop's burger. (laughs) Made me laugh out loud. Long and hard. Another highway cop? What are you guys, multiplying? <laughs> They're not just fighting crime. They look like spit to you. Yeah. Damn it, you burger! They're fighting boredom. They're coming back, man! Cop does what before using his equipment in the field? They test it? They test it, exactly. (laughs) Damn, that's good! Super Troopers is a 2001 American comedy film written by Broken Lizard Comedy Group. The movie stars Jay Chandrasekhar, Kevin Heffernan, Steve Lemmy, Paul Soder, Eric Stolhansky, and Brian Cox. This movie follows the flimflams and hijinks of six Vermont state troopers. The budget of this movie is listed at $1.5 to $3 million and was distributed by Fox Searchlight Pictures. If you enjoy this movie, you can check out some of their others, including Beer Fest, Slammin' Salmon, and Club Dread. Slammin' Salmon. So, Teddy, let's talk about the opening scene to this film. I think the opening scene to this film is probably one of the most legendary in all cop movies, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, <laughs> I can't. That's the best part of the whole movie, I think. Yeah, and it introduces the characters so well, you know, because you don't know what is what their intentions are. They pull over the three stoners who are headed north in up Vermont into Canada, (laughs) 
And you know, like they look like what college kids, maybe. Yeah, they are. And they got a boatload of drugs with them. They got marijuana. And they got a ton of mushrooms. Yeah. And they get pulled over for going under the speed limit. What's the speed limit? <laughs> yeah, fifty-five. And then he says, "How fast do you think you're?" <laughs> or something, right? Sixty-five. Yeah. Sixty-three, actually. <laughs> Yeah, and they just immediately start fucking with these college students. The opening scene is awesome. And just, like I said, it introduces the characters. And like I said in the intro, all their flimflams and hijinks, they're just, it seems like the characters in the movie enjoy their job because they get to play these games with people. Yeah, and that's the thing that um, I actually read how uh, the writer, what's his name? Jay Chandrasekhar. Yeah, so he came up with this idea because he was road tripping with some of his friends to weddings i guess is what i read and they were getting pulled over and they were intoxicated and they Wait, were, like, were they drunk or smoking weed it didn't say it just said under the influence okay. <laughs> so um they actually came up with the idea for this movie because they thought oh why wouldn't it be wouldn't it be cool if the cops knew like were messing with them like i thought it was a that's an awesome idea Right, and all the people I mentioned before that star in this movie, uh, Eric Stolhansky, Paul Soder, Steve Lemmy, Kevin Heffernan, and Jay Chandrasekhar, they all went to college together, and they were in a com- Broken Lizard comedy group is consists of those five guys. And they started this comedy group at college, and I want to say, I might be wrong, I want to say they either went to Ithaca or they went to Colgate. Okay. And that's where they started their comedy group. And it's funny that you say they were on their way to like a wedding or something because yeah. you could tell they were probably in their like mid to late 20s because that's when everyone starts getting married. Right. And they're all like carpooling together to these weddings and <laughs> just smoking a shitload of weed. They're getting drunk and getting pulled over and just hoping that the cops would fuck with them. Like, yeah. that, that's awesome. <laughs> I wouldn't look at that from that perspective. You would think like, oh shit, we're going to go to jail. They're just like, oh man, why don't these cops mess with us? That would be an awesome idea. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. And like I said, I think it's a perfect opening scene to introduce these characters who are kind of like out of their minds. You know what I mean? In terms of, I know it's a, a comedy movie, but if you did this shit as a real cop, I mean, you would <laughs> you'd get fired. I mean, you could probably you could probably do it without body cameras. I mean, to people that were intoxicated like that, but either the liability is too high. Sure, sure. So, so I love the opening scene. And I think it almost immediately smash cuts after the opening scene to them in a little diner and they're doing the maple syrup chug. One, two, three, do it. Oh, go girlfriend, I'm your mother. Come on, Thorny, you're losing to the rookie. It's embarrassing. Come on, rabbit, you can do it. Oh, rabbit, he's killing you. I got Thorny in front by a lot. What's the matter, your mama didn't teach you how to chug? Come on, Thorn. Come on, Thorn. Oh, God damn it! I am all that is man every time. Yeah. Which to me, I you know, I never really thought about it until I became somewhat health conscious. <laughs> but I was looking it up, and they are basically racing. It's Rabbit and it's Ramathorn. They are racing in a maple syrup chug. They have two bottles of maple syrup, and they're seeing who can drink a whole bottle faster. Which to me is the oh. The most unappetizing thing I think I could ever think of. Yeah, I mean, you can only put a little bit of pure... That's pure maple syrup, too, on the... from. They're from Vermont, man. That's where maple syrup is from, right? Yeah, I mean, up in the Northeast, they <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of maple syrup. So for those of you who are curious, a liter of maple syrup contains 2,368 calories, approximately 608 grams of carbs, and 537 grams of sugar. So for me, I mean, we eat, what five six donuts on the show and i feel like i'm gonna fucking die after 
So if I drank a liter of like pure maple syrup, man, I would be on the floor. How many calories is that? 2,368. So oh my gosh. a day's worth of the most empty calories <laughs> you could probably put in your body it consumed in what, 30 seconds? Yeah. That's disgusting. <laughs> oh my God. It makes me cringe just watching it. So, but it also, you start out with that and then that's them professionally on the road working. They're screwing with those guys. And then you see them when they're not and that like they're not working. Right. And you see them in the diner and that's how they are normally. They're just idiots. Yeah. They're in uniform, but they're not doing anything. <laughs> right. They're just sitting at a diner and, but that's their personality. It's like, you could tell I mean, if this were real life, that that's the reason they became cops. It was to just <laughs> screw with people, and that's their natural personality. It's not like something they just do for fun on the road, you know? Right. And so let's get a little bit of a backstory for the the movie is that they are <laughs> they do all these shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah. I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. <clears throat> hey, Farva, what's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? Oh. You're talking about shenanigans, right? <laughs> yeah, they play all these games. Basically, they're highway patrol, so their primary duties consist of pulling people over and writing traffic citations. Yeah. So it kind of delivers the platform for just hilarity because they get to pull over a car and they have all these shticks, all these different games they play with people. And they're they're competing for to stay in business basically with the the local PD. Yeah, Spurberry, the Spurberry Police Department. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they're basically trying to get their uh, stats, you know, through traffic tickets and arrests. Like, arrests, yeah. I guess. I well, it, you could tell it was never an issue up until the the movie started. You know what I mean? Like Prior to that, it was just... That's what they're known for, is their their pranks that they pull out there. Right. And the premise of the movie is that they're going to get shut down, and that the local police department is going to take over their budget, and then they're going to have more area for the local police department. Right. They're basically... Their uh, captain, who is played by the really talented Brian Cox, and I don't know if you know this, he was Uncle Argyle in Braveheart. Oh yeah, that's right. Super talented actor, and I think I remember reading something that they were they offered him the part because <laughs> I mean, like Brian Cox, I'm sure his if he were going to be in any movie, their whole budget would have to pay for him to to be in the movie. You know right. what I mean? Like three million dollars for an entire movie. That's probably what Brian Cox is quoted to be in a movie. Yeah, that's insane. So Jay uh, Chandrasekhar, I remember seeing an interview where he, he they were like, ah, we're just as a joke. We're like, let's see if we can get Brian. <laughs> Brian Cox to be in this movie and he said yes I mean he got paid almost nothing to do it that's awesome yeah so the captain uh, played by Brian Cox basically tells him to cut the shit and to start like writing tickets stop playing all the games but they really can't help themselves yeah so they play the meow game yeah meow um repeater the repeater which is my favorite <laughs> yeah. good morning would you mind stepping down from there with your license and registration sure I was just kind of would you mind stepping down from there with your license and registration? Yeah, no problem. Excuse me one second. No. Excuse me one second. No? Did uh, I do something wrong, officers, because I know I wasn't speeding. Why didn't you weigh in? Yeah, why didn't you weigh in? Did I miss that way station? They got me running so many miles, I just must have dazed out and well, I'll pull into the next one and get weighed up, okay? What are you pulling back what there? What are you pulling back there? Well, uh, mostly just soap, I think. Why don't we take, take a, a look? look? 
Uh, listen, officers, I'm on a really tight schedule, and I Let's really need... Let's go, Mr. Galikanokas. What? You heard him. Let's go, Mr. Galanook. <laughs> the repeater is, like, my all-time favorite. They play the meow game in the repeater, and it ends up biting them in the ass. So. Yeah, and who's uh, the the comedian that they're playing the meow? Um, Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. And this is pre-Jim Gaffigan's all his Netflix specials and, you know, before his rise to fame. So a lot of people, I, I know he has one of those familiar faces because he's like a character actor. Right. So a lot of people are like, I know that guy. And now everyone knows him because he's he headlines all these huge comedy tours. And uh, one thing about uh, Eric, I'm going to butcher his name. What's his last Eric name? Eric Stolhansky. Stolhansky. A uh, little tidbit about him is that he, he was... He plays, by the way, he plays Rabbit. Rabbit, the, the Rook. Movie. The Rookie, Rabbit. Yeah, so he, um, he was actually uh, born without a fibula. And he has a prosthetic leg. Right. And you told me that and I didn't believe it because it just never occurred to you because he's always walking around. And then you gave me this other tidbit of information, which I, I had to see it myself. And what's what's Yeah, that? he's in uh, P90X with Tony Horton. And yeah, he, he does the he's like a workout guy. Yeah, he does. Um, it's the plyometrics workout with Tony Horton. I thought that I, I noticed that a, a while ago when P90X first came out and I was just like, hey, that's the guy from Super Troopers. Like, what the heck? That's awesome. So I thought that's really cool. People should know that. One of the things I noticed about the movie is there's the state police, right? State police are the head honchos in most states. They have the most money, the biggest budgets, they have the best retirements, best pay. A lot of people want to be a part of the state police. Their little station has like six cops. <laughs> And that's one thing that maybe uh, what people who aren't cops wouldn't know or don't have the state police in, like, their area. Right. But, yeah, that's true. Like, in Michigan, they have certain areas that have posts. But if you get shut down or that post isn't, you know, running, you would go and work for another, you know, a post. You get transferred. Yeah, you wouldn't just lose your job. Right. But the thing I notice is that, like, state police, they're a 24-7 police department. I've heard of like county sheriff's departments that operate from the hours of like 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. Right. And they have like an answering service overnight, like in case of an emergency. I mean, just to be clear, you cannot operate a police department with six cops. No. A 24-7 one, excuse me. No, and that's probably where, like I know where I came from, they have a state police post and county and then a local. Mm-hmm. So like if there's no state patrol, then there's always county cops working. Or if there's no county cops, there's always city so then they'll cover it. You know, they'll oh, take okay. on all that because all the dispatch is in that one central area. Well, you know, they, there's no, the continuity of it's a little weird because you see them working during the day, and then they have that scene where they have Mac, and he's like, <laughs> he's like looking at the casino billboard with like <laughs> all it is is like a woman blowing on dice or something. Yeah, and he's doing something that most teenage boys do. It's unspeakable, but he starts <laughs> hanging himself. <laughs> and, <laughs> Well, he's also conducting, you know, uh, speed control, basically, with, like, a radar gun. Right. But, like, the continuity is a little weird because they show him working the day shift, and then that's supposed to be, like, the graveyard shift. It's supposed to be, like, 2 in the morning. Yeah. And I believe that's the scene where Rabbit takes out the Porsche and tries to play his own little game with them. Right. And then Farva catches up with them and right. screws it all up. And you mentioned that before because it's funny, and I didn't really notice this until you told me. But yeah, Farva goes, he sees the, the Porsche, and Farva is in his, what does he have, like a, like a burnt orange IROC Z? Yeah. <laughs> he, and he, he puts on like the dome, like blue light, and chases after him, and pulls him over and basically stops his fun. But you mentioned something about how, they're, while they hate Farva, they 
want to include him in all their shenanigans, but they don't because you said he, that he takes it too far or something. Yeah, he like they play the pranks. He wants to be involved with them, but anytime he does it, he just he take just blows them out of proportion. Right. Like the uh, the scene where he's just like, oh, you save meow ten times. Well, for five or twenty bucks, I'll call the guy a chicken fucker. Like, and he just. <laughs> Like, where does that even... That's not even a prank. You're just calling someone that name, you know? Yeah, and I think it goes to the fact that he has no personality. You know what I mean? Because these guys have personality, and like I said, it's fun for them. But for him, he's just an idiot, and he has no personality. Right. So, yeah. I I forgot about that part. That was really cool. Uh, They also mentioned... It's kind of a uh, repeating theme throughout the movie, is that Farber's working dispatch. Yeah. And I didn't know this again, but in, throughout the movie, they continue with the whole Farva shtick of he's on suspension and Farva really wants to get out on the road and keep working, but he's stuck <laughs> in dispatch. So I never knew this, but like, why was Farva suspended? Uh, so if you watch the movie all the way through and you wait till the credits roll, there's a clip of a dash cam video and it shows Farva pulling over a school bus. <laughs> and uh, he walks up to like the side of the bus and you see like a child like reach out and like throw something at him and then he pours a like a jug of water over his head and he's walking down like to go into the bus and every kid is dumping like water all over him oh it's perfect he goes into the bus and then you see the back door open and he's like dragging like two or three kids out and they're all they're all on the ground in between the school bus and his patrol car like beating trying to beat him up <laughs> like were these like fourth graders they're not i would say maybe middle school i i mean the oldest maybe 13 14 so right in in the movie there's multiple times where the other characters say oh your suspension you know something about a school bus right and i never i guess i never rolled through the entire credits to see why he had been suspended but that's (laughs) awesome that is awesomely hilarious that's really cool yeah it's funny i like how when they're doing their first briefing and farber walks in and he's just like he sits down and then it's like farva coffee and right he points the his his pistols laying on the front of the desk and points it at farva yeah. <laughs> and then the captain you know gives them all their assignments then he's like farva your suspension continues yeah yeah he had that perfect pause of your suspension yeah you know farva's expecting him to say back on the road <laughs> he says continues right and he just deflates again and uh, yeah, he brings out the coffee for everyone it's like he's you know mopping floors he's cleaning he's kind of doing all the bitch work because that's his punishment right and you know hey farva coffee he comes back and then all the names are written on the styrofoam cups and then one says stupid rookie yeah. and you see the bar of soap and <laughs> that's rabbit eric stolhansky's character and he goes oh look a bar of soap <laughs> just completely just not showing any emotion you know right because it's a stupid prank yeah it's a dumbass prank exactly there's actually the pranks that those guys pull are actually there's some effort put behind them right and mac mac reaches for the cup of coffee and he's like hey no that's rabbits and he's like oh <laughs> yeah, it covers the top <laughs> yeah. yeah it covers the top of the lid sure the thing that impresses me the most about this movie is the budget it, it's it's a long movie and there's a lot that goes into it i know that they didn't use cgi there's no special effects it's not a really action-driven movie it's it's a dialogue driven movie it's you know comedy wise it's it almost reminds me of some like judd you know early 2000s judd apatow stuff like Quentin Tarantino, when he started, most of his stuff was very dialogue-driven. Right. And it drives a story, and that's what I really liked about this movie. And It's a comedy, but it's the dialogue's excellent, and it's so original. Yeah, you mentioned that the budget was only $1.5 to $3 million. Um, well, they grossed 
18.5 million for this entire film. Okay. And opening weekend, they made 7.1 million. Okay. So, I mean, just putting in that, you know. And there wasn't a lot of, this just coming from memory, I think I was in high school or I was, you know, it was 2001. I don't remember, I remember a couple commercials and I remember thinking, like, that movie looks stupid. Yeah, and I didn't see it. I actually didn't see the film until it was re- released on DVD. I don't I don't remember it coming out, so. And it kind of became a cult classic, like, yeah. almost instantly, you know? Like, it was a very quotable movie. A lot of people were quoting it. And it was to me, it was shocking. And it's kind of going to the, the thing where really good movies that should have been made into sequels within a year or two. Right. They didn't do it. It was, like, Dumb and Dumber. And then, like, 20 years later, they come out with a sequel. And it wasn't very good. Super Troopers 2 recently came out in 2017, I believe. And I watched it, and I thought it was excellent. I actually thought it was... It wasn't as good as the first... You know, it wasn't as original as the first, but I actually thought it was pretty good, and it got really low ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I haven't seen it yet. I maybe will have to do that. And uh, maybe we'll bring it up on the show. Yeah, well, might have to. Oh, one more thing I want to bring up: uh, the Johnny Chimpo thing. Where did that come from? Oh, well, as Rabbit says, "Hey, Chief, it's Afghanistan animation." <laughs> <laughs> well, just to finish off here, they go through the film. They find uh, this. They pull over, what's his name, in the truck, the soap truck. Yeah, Bunty Soap Truck, when with a huge truck driver. Yeah, they get distracted doing the repeater, and they find a bunch of that marijuana with the sticker on it of the, the monkey, Johnny Chimpo. Yeah. So then they found out uh, it's Canadian grass, is what they said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Spurberry police is behind it all, right? Yeah, they're the ones trafficking most of it. And that's why they want to shut the state police down, because once they do, they cover the entire northern border, and they get to with free reign just let trafficking come through a marijuana yeah uh the johnny chimpo thing i don't know i think it's that must be something from their college years that they came up with you know what i mean right it doesn't i think (laughs) like the picture of it is a animated monkey like pissing on something right that's what it looks like maybe like the you know back in the day with the old a you know peon ford type of thing sure yeah yeah so maybe that's where they got it i don't know Right. So, Super Troopers, uh, in terms of comedy, I know Hot Fuzz is your favorite for comedy police movies. This is my favorite. Super Troopers is number one in comedy police movies. Yeah, and if you go with, uh, like I said, um, Hot Fuzz is like the serious, almost like a more serious type. Super Troopers is, it's almost tied. I can't, I can't determine a favorite here. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And I would say that the thing that impresses me the most is the budget. You know, Hot Fuzz came out after Shaun of the Dead, and these guys were working with a little bit, you know, more money, better production value, and Super Troopers guys kind of, you know, Broken Lizard kind of did it on their own, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I think they... Because they they made the movie, and then they sold it to Fox Searchlight after it premiered at Sundance. Right. They were kind of on their own, and they they did it all on their own. I think that's incredibly impressive. Yeah, I think they hit it. I mean, they hit a home run there, so... Yeah. Uh, What do we have next week in Pop Culture Corner? We haven't decided yet, have we? Oh, end wait. of watch. Yeah, end of watch. We're doing end of watch, and we're going to have a special guest on the show next week. That's right. It's uh, one of our cop buddies. Um, we're not going to name names, but he'll be on the show next week to give some insight. His favorite movie is end of watch, so we're going to bring that into the mix, and we're going to do a review on it. Yeah, so uh, last week we got the call of the week. Yes, on this we have this week's call of the week, this episode's call of the week, excuse me, and uh, this is going to be one of Dirk's. Yeah, the, let's do uh, The Perfect Storm. And before we continue, I actually want to uh, come up with a retraction from last week. I mentioned the awesome John Hughes movie, The Breakfast Club, a 1985 hit. And I said the principal in that movie, his name was Richard Gleason. His actual name is Paul Gleason. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. And I didn't know that, so I couldn't correct you. So I apologize. Let's go to the call of the week. Yeah, let's do it. 
On this episode's Call of the Week, we have the adventures of Dirk Mason. Call of the Week is labeled the perfect storm. The reporting party is on shore and stated that a sailboat approximately one mile off the shore is capsized. Waves are approximately one to five feet and there was lightning and high wind speeds. What do you got for us, Dirk? Yeah, so this is my time during uh, Marine Patrol in Michigan. I was working by myself this day. Uh, I had a partner that normally worked with me that actually worked for the department, and he was off. So I'm all by myself. They're like, hey, you can take the boat out if you want, whatever. You know, I'm brand new, just a rook, barely certified. Had a a week, 40 hours on, you know, boat safety and shit. Right. so I get this call that there's a boat capsized a mile off the shore, and they don't, there's not like a clear direction of where this boat is unless, you know, oh, I'm a mile south of the pier and then a mile out. So you couldn't see it? You can't really see it because of the waves. They're, the waves are, you know, rolling, and, you know, a capsized boat, you can't see. And how bad was the weather? I mean, it was, like, there. there's a difference between choppy waves and, like, rolly waves, I guess you could say. Uh the rolling ones is where you can't really see in between them because they're like they're rolling pretty high they're so high but they're kind of spread further apart okay um so and i was just like i get on the radio and i'm like uh is the coast guard gonna respond because you know they're the primary people out there for <laughs> yes, boat rescue their fucking job yeah uh so they my dispatcher called and they're like nope coast guard's not responding so i'm like great you know i'm gonna be by myself so I have to go over to the boat, because I'm at the station at the time, start the boat up, let it warm up, and rush out there to try to save these people that are on a capsized boat. Now, are you obligated to do that? Because it sounds like the Coast Guard just said, fuck it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, the <clears throat> we're the only other ones that can go out there. So right. if not, you know, the possibility of them drowning, I guess, is higher. So... I start up the boat, head out that way, and, you know, it wasn't a mile out there by the time I got out there because of the waves were pushing them in. Okay. So I immediately see, like, a half-capsized sailboat, like, you know, within a mile of the shoreline. I imagine, like, the mass from, like, Jaws where, like, you know, Sheriff Brody's, like, shooting, like, an M1 at a shark, like, that's sticking out of the water. Is it like that? Fire, you son of a... It kind of was. I mean, it was more... It was more of the boat was tipped over because it was a catamaran style. Okay. So I get up there and the waves are pushing me back and forth. And there's these two, a young guy and a young girl. And they're like trying to flip the sailboat over by themselves. And they have life jackets on at least. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) no. Yeah, the water's not warm in Lake Michigan. I think surface temp, the highest it gets is 70 degrees okay so it's pretty cold so i get out there and i'm like uh like you guys need to get on so i helped them on my boat and then i couldn't do anything about their sailboat it's capsized and i'm the only one out there did you feel like it was urgent like they get on the boat and you get in like the water was that bad or was it just just like hey i can't pull your boat over so just get on and let's get out of here uh they were like in perfect like health okay so it, if they were like overweight or something, it would have been a huge deal. Like but you trying to pull them onto the boat? Yeah, but they were in perfect health. They knew how to swim. Like they knew everything. So and they knew what to do with their boat capsized. And they actually told me, "Hey, it's flipped over once before, but we got it back over." Right. So at that point, they got on board and they're just like, "We can't do anything." So uh, we had to leave their boat. Did were they appreciative of your help? Yeah, definitely, because they. 
they would have had to sit in the water or swim back to shore, which is almost a mile. Yeah, that would have been like a really long distance. Now, do you know what the fate was of that boat that had flipped over? I don't. I never figured out if they went and retrieved it later, if it came up to shore. I'm not sure. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, they're safe. Uh, <laughs> the Coast Guard said... Yeah, I don't I, understand it, man. That pisses me off more than anything, because the fucking Coast Guard's just like, ah, eh, whatever. Yeah, and that was the biggest thing, is that, I mean, I'm a new guy, I'm thinking, oh, you know, no, my partner doesn't show up, so I'll probably hang out at the station, do administrative work, you know, mm-hmm. and I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, and like, as you said, the Coast Guard, Lake Michigan doesn't border Canada, evidently, as we were saying. Just the, like, the canals through the other Great Lakes does. So they're not stopping, like, you know, this isn't 1920, Al Capone isn't driving cars full of liquor across, like, Canada, you know, like, across, like, the frozen lake. Right. So their primary goal is to, like, save people that are stranded in Lake Michigan. They're just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, and their main duty is if someone calls in a mayday or they need a tow, they go out the boat back in if they run out of gas whatever right they have boat troubles which it happens all the time and i've even been pulled back in by the coast guard with running out of gas so <laughs> i don't know the circumstances of why they just chose not to go out that if sure. it was because of the weather i don't know all of my knowledge of the coast guard pretty much comes from like the perfect storm <laughs> and that uh, the guardian with kevin costner so oh, yeah in both of those movies they're going out in some pretty shitty weather right and, and i would assume that's like their job is to you know be rescue divers and save people i that's just crazy well and if you saw their boat too it's not like it's a it's a smaller boat maybe 25 foot but uh, so it's, it's not like a coast guard cutter no it's a, it's a small boat but it's like built to freaking withstand everything sure. they have all the bells and whistles on it and you're in like a uh, inflatable skiff <laughs> <laughs> i'm in a normal you know boston whaler okay. 28 foot you know twin motors whatever but it's not what they have the boat that i was in was like 20 some years old sure so, yeah Dirk mason here to the rescue yeah so that was a it was a pretty hairy day there yeah it was a call <laughs> that's I, I mean i've never worked as the, you were in marine patrol for a while so i guess Let's just, what? Now all you got to do is work in a helicopter. You can be air, land, and sea. <laughs> Let's just say if I would have fell in the water, I would have sunk like a fucking like a anchor, stone. man. <laughs> I got my gun belt and all this stuff on full gear. You know, I would have just dropped and they would have had to save me. So. Sure. Well, that was this call of the week. What do we have next week, Dirk? More donuts. Uh, some personnel files with your continuation of... Special Forces Prep Course. Special Forces Prep Course, My Academy. We might switch it up a little bit because we have a guest. So right. We're going to have to determine that this week. We are doing End of Watch in Pop Culture Corner, and we're going to do another Call of the Week to finish it off, as always. That's it from us. And to contact us on our Instagram and Gmail, it is two cops and a donut, TWO. And also a special thanks from Bones Coffee. Go grab a bag of Bones Coffee at www.bonescoffee.com. We'll see you next week.